My name is Vida Sister Prince. Today is November 12, 1992, and I am interviewing Edna Kuntz for the Missouri Historical Society. Edna is going to talk about her husband, Victor Joseph Kuntz, who was an artist, a designer, and an architect. The Missouri Historical Society has purchased 13 of Victor's works, some of which include the Cabinet Branch Library, the World's Fair Pavilion in Forest Park, and a 1940s view of the Millis Fountain and Union Station. Victor Kuntz was born in 1899 and died in 1991. He and Edna were married for 70 years and he began painting at 17 years old. Tell me about um, Victor's early life and his family Well, when he was a child. He lived in the county, St. Louis County, with his mother and father and his sister. He had one sister, and uh, he went to grade school and, like, and graduated. And like any other boy, he went swimming in the river when he shouldn't have. <laughs> he ice skated a lot. He loved to ice skate. And uh, then he didn't, he didn't go to high school. He went to a technical school, Schleicher's Technical School. That's where his uncle went, and his uncle was his idol. Do you know what the grade school was that he went to? Hancock. Hancock. Down in the county. And uh, then he went to Schleicher's, and they, that was a, uh, an en engineering school. And there's where he studied. And he graduated there, and from there he went to work. First job he had was a Junon Electric Drafting. Was it what? At Union Electric Union. Drafting. Electric and ordinary draft work. And then I think from there he got a position at USONA Manufacturing Company. And uh, he was quite young and he, he worked there um, and uh, he got to the point where he had charge of the drafting room, which was a small one. Mm -hmm. And at that time uh, he was drafted and reject, he didn't, he tried to enlist, and he was rejected in every branch of the service for a heart ailment. He, um, then he was still working for USONA, and they were doing war work. Then they, uh, he finally was called, and uh, I forget Mr., I forget his boss's name now. He uh, decided to keep Vic, he needed him for work, you know, for war work, and Vic stayed there. And while he was there, he designed one of the large gates for the Missouri Botanical Garden. I don't know which gate it was, but it, it's still over there, but where they what they've done with it, I don't know. And then from there, he went to Usona Manufacturing Company. He knew one of the men that worked there, and they said, Vic, I think you would like it there. So he asked, uh, his boss for a raise, and he didn't wouldn't give it to him. So he went to Usona, which was a different kind of drafting, uh, oh, ironwork. And from Usona, he went to Algonite Stone. Okay. And when he went to Algonite Stone, he got more things that uh, on the architectural line. And while he was at Algonite, the one of the headmen of um, Bank Building Corporation knew of his knew him, and asked him if he would come down there to work. 
he knew that Vic had been doing artwork and um, he um, and designing and Vic went to uh, a bank building and equipment corporation. He stayed there until the, the depression and uh, from the depression while he was there he got work at uh, Missouri Pacific Railroad for a couple months mm -hmm. and then uh, watch uh, bank building called him back and he went there for I don't know just how long he was there and then uh, in fact we lost a, a nice trip from the Missouri Pacific when he went back to bank building and he stayed there until there was no work you know and then they from there of course he did quite a bit of freelance work on his own for different small corporations in fact he did one of Mount Santa's early buildings right down here on Broadway, little building when Monsanto was just a small, insignificant uh, corporation. And the bank building. He, he went to Moran, Russell, and Kroll. Uh -huh, and they were architects. Yes, and they, he was, he was given a chance to delineate, and uh, quite a bit of work, and then bank building called him. And of course, the salary increase was so large that when he spoke to to um, Mr. Kroll, Mr. Kroll said, Vic, I'd love to keep you. You've got a future here. But he said, with that amount of money and you a young man, you better take it. And it was really, it was a fabulous raise. And he stayed there until the Depression. And the Depression came there was no more work and for a little bit of time no he, he didn't work at all he did all freelance work and so he picked he was, it. are you saying he was laid off at the depression he wasn't laid off it was just no work, no work. you know and uh, but he went back to building to a bank building three different times now just how it worked out I don't know mm -hmm. but finally he quit he, he was tired of the young fellows. He, he was delineating, and all, most all he designed was banks and big hotels. He didn't do many cocktail lounges. And the young men working under him wouldn't listen, and they weren't delineating to suit him. And he, he just, he just gave, the, gave him notice that he was quitting, and then he retired. Now, I don't know what year it was. I, all my records are gone. We were robbed and they took took my whole book mm -hmm. of records. I had my own book down here and as yet I haven't gone through Mr. Kunz's records upstairs. Do you have any vague idea of how old he was when he retired? Let's see. He was 90 when he died. He was in his late 50s. And, so it was sometime in the 50s, maybe. Yes, and then he went into freelance work, and uh, he did quite a bit of delineation for different architects and design and designer for the architects. And during the Depression, he worked on WPA. Okay, let's, let's go back, all right? Let's go back to um, when he was... When, when did you... When he laid off at bank building. He, he went to at WPA. Mm -hmm. No, and I want to go back further than that. I 
want to go back to um, uh, after he went to Schleicher. Oh, Schleicher's was the school he went right. to. Right, he went to school, and what that was a private engineering school? Right, and uh, when did so he would have been uh, in his teens then? Oh yes, he let's see, he was about. Uh, I guess he graduated from grade school at about 15 because he had to go back, was held back one year because he didn't study. And uh, then he went right from grade school to Schleicher's. When did he begin to draw? When did he begin to have an interest? He, he, always, he always was very good at drawing different things. He didn't do it seriously, mm -hmm. but uh, through his training, and naturally, he had to be very efficient. You know, engineering is an efficient uh, position. And uh, Schleicher's was an engineering school. And then we were. Excuse me, Anna. Uh, what did uh, Victor's father do? Blacksmith. He was a blacksmith. Mm -hmm. Oh, he made the andirons. He was. These andirons he made. These andirons. Yes, he, he made those. That's the last thing he forged on the on the uh, last thing he forged on his forge before he retired. Um. All right. So after Schleicher's, what kind of education did did Victor pursue? He he went to. Uh, he, he finally after he got into uh, different things, he went to the. St. Louis Architectural Club. They had an architectural drafting school out there. At the, it was a private club and they had, it was the St. Louis Architects, the only education he had. He was self-educated. He went to Washington U? He went, went to Washington U. Oh, he went to Washington U before he went to Moran Russell Crow. See, he went, the yearbook is down there. I think it's, uh, we came here in 29, 20, let's see, he was master of his lodge in 31. Um, he went to Washington University, I think, 26 and 27. And the yearbook is down underneath the television. Uh, and uh, he took a two-year special course but he did, he did a Bose art course with that, which would have made a three-year course. He did the three years in two. What's a Bose art course? Bose art. What is that? Well, that was a. They called it a Bose art uh, uh, instead of a master's. I see. And then, while he was going to Washington University, he won a prize in almost everything he took part in. And I forget, he he won a prize for designing some outdoor theater that was out in the county somewhere, he won first prize there. And he won, he won the uh, uh, National Medal in the Beaux-Arts uh, uh, fraternity, in the uh, architect's uh, fraternity, what was it, fraternity? Scarab fraternity. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, I don't know how many prizes he won when he went to school. In fact, and he worked for the professor at, at spare time so that he could earn a little money. He worked for Professor uh, Natvalending. I don't know what his name was anymore. How, how did you, uh, uh, you stopped working after you got married. And what? You stopped working after you were married. Oh, yes, and then we went to school. We were married about three or four years before we went to school. Uh -huh. and, and so where did you all live? The what? Where did you live at that On time? 1104 Victor Street. 1104 Victor Street. And, and we didn't have a car. And he had to go to go in the bus, I mean in the streetcar, and he um, when he and he tutored some of the boys who didn't study when it came time to examinations, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, wealthy boys. Some of them became architects because their fathers were, you know, influent. But and that's when he went to Moran Russell and Crow. Mr. Crow, after he finished school, Mr. Crow knew of him, and Mr. Crow took him under his wing. And there he began strictly architecture. Instead of, what else, did, what else had he been doing? He what? What else had he been doing besides architecture? You said he became strictly He never went to any art school, he self-taught. No, no. What had he been doing at the other places that he worked? He was doing some architecture in, in, in conjunction with engineering. Algonite Stone was quite a bit of, he, there's where he began to get into architecture. That was a stone company. They built buildings and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it was something new. Which part did he do? Did he do the outside, or he did the inside? Uh, the outsides of it, well, I guess both. Mm -hmm. And at bank building, he, he did interior. He did the interior? Yeah, banks, and in fact, he, I think he did the first national bank here in St. Louis, when they, before they rebuilt a half a dozen times. I don't know how many banks he's done here, in, and, and then, oh, and he also, oh, wait a minute, he worked for, Bonsack and Piercy architects too. And after, right after the depression, they needed a little extra help, and he went down there at a very small salary, because he wasn't going. We we didn't want to go on relief. You know, we wanted didn't want to get out of money, and he stayed with Bonsacks about eight years, I guess. That's when he went to bank building. See, it's so mixed up because he changed from one. He, he went to Bonsack and Pierce, and from Bonsack and Pierce, he went to bank building. I know that. And then he stayed with them. And then during this depression, he worked on the WPA. He was listed as an engineer. He worked on a, a, a hospital on Arsenal Street. And uh, then that's when bank building called him back again. Was he equally at home with the engineering and the architecture and the drawings? Was he at home in all of those things, or did he prefer one more than the other? Well, he 
he seemed like it was always architecture. Was he, he finally joined the American Institute of Architects, and he, he belonged to them until he retired. And then he didn't want to pay the, you know, dues anymore, and uh, he he didn't knew he wouldn't need it. And uh, but so far as his artwork, that was just by doing. He loved it, and he, as he said, he worked at it. He always said anybody that could draw could learn to, anybody that could write could learn to draw, but I couldn't. Um, how did he? How did he uh, go about his drawings? What did he like to draw, and where he, and when did he do he, it? He loved old houses, and he didn't like. And he liked to work in the alleys. He said the alleys were interesting. The back parts of the old houses, the old stairways. He were he uh, drew downtown. And he he and churches, and he did the churches. He'd always take the back part of the church, the interesting parts, and he loved the Ozarks. A any old little old dirt road we would see, he'd go down. He'd find an old ramshackle barn or a log cabin. That was what he liked. And he also liked to draw trees, different shape trees. We got a lot of sketches upstairs. And, um, but he, he enjoyed any kind of drawing. I mean, he's got churches and graveyards, uh, uh, commercial, and uh, old gates, iron gates, things. And he'd just sketch anything that, that he would see that impressed him as being something he wanted to put on paper. And he always carried his sketchbook. And uh, he'd sit in a streetcar and he'd sketch the folks sitting in a streetcar, you know, different figures. And uh, as long as I remember, painting was all he ever cared about. When he retired, he, when he didn't have work, he'd go upstairs and draw. And go most of his things he did right on the spot. But big buildings like some of these. Um, uh, well, like St. Francis de Sales Church and them, he would have to sketch them and then write the colors down, you know, so he could come home and finish the things. He couldn't do them all on the spot. But most of his Cronlith things were done right on the spot. In fact, that's how come we sold those pictures to the man that uh, draws the weather bird for the post. He said he'd been looking all over for sketches that were uh, on-the-spot drawings. He said he and his wife tried to do that for years and they couldn't. He bought two. And uh, he, would pa he would paint anything, I mean, uh, uh, draw anything, anything for pastime. And we really were situated that he didn't have to work steady. We didn't have anything to spare, but we didn't want for anything either. But he, in architecture, he worked for, uh, he worked for, Alden and I did some, and uh, well, the Usona did, they designed st uh, metal work, you know, Usona, and there was, 
uh, Algonite Stone, Moran Russell and Crow, Bonsack and Pierce, and Bank Building. Of course, uh, Missouri Pacific was more, those were temporary jobs. He took, they were small, much smaller paying. Mr. Kuntz was a high paid man. And uh, what does that mean in those days? Well, he earned, he earned what would be a far, a, probably a half a week's. At the time he quit working, he was making $500 a month, which was top anywhere. And bank building, they would have paid him another $100 a month to keep him, but he wanted to quit. And uh, had, he, had he just had enough of what was going on at work, or had he begun tired of, of what he was doing? Yes, he he was just tired of the whole thing. He felt like he was, I don't know what he did. He'd come home one day and he said, Edna, he said, how would you feel if I would retire? He said, do you think we could make it? And I said, well, sure we could. I, he said, I could get work, you know, on this side and work for other architects maybe a week or two, maybe a month or so. I said, go ahead, if you want to retire, go ahead and do it. So he did. Um, when he sketched, um, did he use a pencil or charcoal? Or? Everything. He, when he just sketched, he used charcoal and he used pencil. And in watercolor, he went right to the watercolor. He might have sketched in a few lines, you know, to give him balance and proportion. And then he used his watercolors. And he didn't care for oil. And he didn't like portraits. He wouldn't do portraits. And he didn't care for flowers. Mostly architect. Oh, most of his paintings were architecture. Toward last, before he began to fail, he did a couple of flowers and uh, did my antiques and uh, a few things like that. But you know, he never made a sketch of me. Never once. He only made one sketch of his father. That's the only one I remember he made of anybody. Did you ever have a discussion about that? No, I never. I left him go. I never thought to ask him, and he never thought to do it. Whether he didn't want to, he said. What? He said, I don't like to do ladies. He said because they want you to make them look beautiful. They don't want them made the way. Yeah. I think he's right. <laughs> so, but uh, I don't think he ever gave it a thought of doing one of me. I wish he had, but he just never gave it a thought. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I don't have one. Tell me about how you you felt about his work. What I thought of his work? How you felt about it. Oh, we we discussed things that he sketched or he'd say, He'd bring it home and he'd ask me. I'd tell him if I thought it was good and I'd tell him if I thought it wasn't. And uh, I was this most severe critic. But um, I w felt well satisfied with what he was doing. I never regretted that he quit work because we never felt a pinch. And uh, we had our home and uh, it was clear. and. Uh, We'd go out and he'd sketch, uh, and when we went on a vacation down the Ozarks, he'd find something to sketch down there, and 
he didn't sketch animals either. He sketched our little dog a couple times, but she wouldn't s sit still for a sketch when he started sketching and took his pad on his lap, and she came and sat in his lap. How, how did it change? How did his work change? From, how did he work? How did his work change and evolve from the beginning when he, when he would do it as, a, as an extra thing while he was working to when he retired? Well, he had more time. When he was working, he would sketch in his spare time. But how did his, how did, what, what difference did you see in his work well, as he got older? He gradually, from the very beginning when he started, he, I've got some of his very early sketches. He, he did improve, and he got faster. You see, through his work in architecture with delineating, he had to be quick. And designing, he couldn't take any. His, he worked loosely. He didn't like to work in too much detail. You'll find that in a lot of his pictures now. So many of his friends worked in very much detail, but he never did. He his, I could tell when he tightened on his work. His loose, looser piece, pieces were much better. I would tell him, "You got tight on this." don't look like your work. And people that knew his work said the same thing. He, he worked loosely, but that was due to the fact that he worked on the scene, see? Like down the Ozarks, those two pictures hanging there, he did them right, right, uh, not that, the two on the sidewalk. He did them right on the scene down on, down on the stream while he was fishing. And just put the color right there. Yeah. Just See, we, we both had we both had fishing stools. And they had a, something underneath where you could he could put his materials under there, his sketch pad and his pencils and paper and then I would put the fishing things in my we both had fishing chairs. And uh, he uh, he he just devoted his life to his paintings. To, uh, what? Is it hard for you to talk about Victor? The what? Are, do, it, are, is it hard for you to talk no, about No, 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 because I, he was in the home so long, and, and uh, toward last, I was, I was alone, you know, for five years here, and I'd go to see him regularly. I missed that, of course, but... Uh, after being together so long, if he had been home all that while, I, I guess it would have been worse. But toward last, it got hard because he was in the hospital and suffering, and knew he couldn't get better. And I, knew, uh, and in fact, Mr. Hillgardner and, and and I, we were hoping that he wouldn't have to suffer too long. And uh, he went into coma the last couple days, and. Uh, so, but I, I won't forgive the home. They didn't call me when they, when they discovered he was really dying because the day before he managed to open his eye, one eye, to let me know he knew I was there and I should have been with him, but they didn't call me. And I didn't go down that day because I was exhausted. I was just exhausted from going back and forth to the hospital to see him and and try to, try to
try to come home and do at home and I would take the cab and go different places to eat because I didn't feel like eating, you know, cooking. And, but Mr. Hillgarner's been an angel. Of course, he's 75 years old. He's not a kid anymore. Uh, Edna, I want to ask you some more about Victor's work. Um, he's gotten a number, let's see, some examples of his local architectural work here would be the war memorial. The what? A war memorial. The, the war memorial. Yes, he worked on the war memorial. That was one of the things that Mr. Kroll, the first time Mr. Kroll allowed him to, dis, to design, uh, to sign a delineation and there was an accident in the paper. They gave credit to some famous delineator on that, which would have been an honor for Vic. And then the next day, they had a little correction in the paper. I forget what his name was now. I don't remember, but he was a famous delineator. He worked on War Memorial. His that was his first thing he signed. Mr. Crow was see. Mr. Crow was really taking him under his wing, and and um, if he had stayed there, well, of course he was offered a partnership later on in the in the in that firm, but he wouldn't take it. And and uh, and his last job, his last architectural thing he did, and he couldn't do that as an architect because he didn't have an. Illinois license, he had to do it as a designer, was to cross a piece at Palo Alto Pass on top of Ball Knob. He signed off. He, he, so he ended with the war memorial, started with the war memorial, and he ended with the cross of peace, which was a coincidence. Mm -hmm. And that I haven't seen that now in seven years. I don't know how they're keeping it up, but that was a tall cross taller than the famous and bar building and uh, of, uh, and they built it on top of ball now and they have had plans for it greater than they I don't know what they've done with it since we were down there right before he went in the home he couldn't drive that far anymore and uh, so we're we're uh, if they've kept that, that's, that is a memorialia memorial to Vic. And I, I do want to find out what they're doing with it. And if they are doing with it, I want, if I'm lucky, I want to give them a certain amount of money to help for the upkeeper for some specific thing. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and then he, he was involved with the Missouri Pacific Building the what? Missouri Pacific Building. Yes. And the Federal Reserve Building and, and Bell Telephone. And uh, let's see, and he did. Uh, and he, he did quite a few schools when he worked for Bonsack and Pierce. A lot of their work was country schools. And 
one thing he did, which in his architecture, after he retired, he, he always worked for Paul Saunders in East St. Louis, and Mr. Saunders did not have a designer. And Victor, they, uh, they uh, what do you call it? They, anyway, the cathedral in Belleville, mm -hmm. they, instead of tearing it down, they um, remodeled it. And Mr. Kunst did all of the architecture on remodeling the cathedral in Belleville. There was exterior stonework? Exterior stonework, everything but the front door. The man who donated the front door, he wanted to pick his own design. But Victor went with the architect and the bishop up to uh, Indiana even to pick out the stone. Mm -hmm. They took him up there. And he also did the stations inside, and we were not familiar with the stations. He had to get books on that, to, just because we aren't Catholic. And uh, uh, we, laid, we lay, laid the stations out on the floor to work on them. I went upstairs with him. I often stayed up there with him all day. And, uh, but that was a, a beautiful job. And when they uh, rededicated the the cathedral, well, then we were invited guests to their dinner, you know, and all the celebrations. And uh, he felt Paul was really pleased with that uh, because he knew he knew Vic's work, and he, he thought he'd get a good job. And Vic really worked on that, and he was proud of it. He has a lot of buildings and places to his credit that'll never be signed by him because he did them for other people. But uh, I think the cathedral in, in the new, they put in another cornerstone and they put something in about Victor having designed it. You see, he had to be careful because he was not, he only had Missouri architectural license and he, he wouldn't, he, Victor was, wouldn't, he wouldn't do anything, you know, was dishonest, he just wouldn't do it. But he, he um, uh, designed that cross of peace for Harvey and Hale, the engineers. And uh, see that uh, Mr. Harvey knew, people knew him, they knew him from his work at, and they would come to him. And uh, I know when he took that cross of peace, the, the three of them, they didn't know what they would do or how they would accomplish it because it was so unusual, it's so tall. And they had to put a ranger station in the very top of that cross. And Vic had a funny thing happen. When the whole thing was finished, some of the plates formed a sign of a cross on the front of it, which he hadn't planned on at all. It just was one of the things that happened. But they intended to do a lot of things with it. Now, whether they've done it or let it deteriorate, I don't know. Sometime or other, I would love to have somebody take me down there. But it's on the top of that bald knob and <laughs> pilot, pilot knob. Pilot knob, and it's it's it's, it's a bald knob, bald knob mountain, honey, in in Illinois. Palo Alto Pass, bald knob. Yeah, I got this out of that article. Maybe bald knob, and. Uh, it's it's as it's tall it's as tall as eleven story building, Victor said. 
I don't know. I have a book on it in that drawer. It tells how wide the arms are and um, how, how the base, that was a challenge for the three of them, but they did it. I think Mr. Harvey and Vic really worked with more, more than, uh, uh, I mean, uh, Mr. Hale didn't work on it too much, but Harvey and Vic worked on it more than that. Um, and he worked for the Bank Building and Equipment Corporation as an architect and designer for approximately 30 years. Is that, would that sound he was right? Kind of, he was really designated as a designer down there. Uh -huh. Or architect, you know, architectural designer. That's a long time to work for a company. Um, and this home, he didn't he build this home? Did he what? Build this house. This house. The what? Didn't Victor build this house? Design and build this house that we're in. Yes. Can you tell me about that? Well, we found the lot. We looked around for. I said one time I said I would like to live in this area, which was a lot different than it is today. This is not, and you, it was 1928. Yeah, now we bought a, the ground in 20. We bought the ground I think in 27. And uh, we found a lot. Uh, a man on Leona owned it, and. Uh, it was no street, no alley, no electric, no gas, no water. And then in, uh, in 28, I guess must have been about the middle because we moved in here around Thanksgiving on 29, in 29. And he designed it and he used to come out and, and uh, superintend, you know, the builders, and they did a couple things before he got out here. One of them was that stairway. That stairway isn't the way he wanted it. And um, we moved in here about uh, a week before Thanksgiving in 1929, and I had my folks out to eat. And uh, my mother baked the pies, and I did, we made chicken because I couldn't, I had a coal oil stove. And uh, I cooked on coal oil for about, I guess, almost three years until we got gas. But we put the electric pole in, and we put the water in. And uh, uh, I couldn't get gas. And then when they made Lockborough, widen Lockborough, I was able to get gas. And I had a very nice oil stove, and I, and I know my grandmother came out to see me, and she said, "Where did you ever find this mud hole?" <laughs> but it wasn't long until it, we got the street. We had the street made, and the alley made, and. Uh, Everything turned out all right. And we're at 6806 Alexander. And it was Henrietta Court when we bought it, but uh, they changed it to Alexander. The city did. Now, Edna, um, I also in that article that it said that Victor had about uh, 275 
paintings just of St. Louis, the metropolitan area. Yeah. And uh, that his entire collection of sketches and paintings number more than a thousand. Oh, I bet every bit of it because I must have a hundred upstairs yet. But some some he destroyed himself. Oh, really? Yeah, and I've already destroyed some because he never told me what he wanted me to do with him. And as we're, Mary and I are going through, there are some that aren't finished and some that I didn't think were up to what they should be. Mm -hmm. And a lot of just trees and small s sketches, some of the things I got rid of. I didn't want them to go in somebody's attic or be sold for 50 cents or half a dollar or whatever at an auction or something. And see, he donated a lot of his things to charity. When they had auctions, you know, for children, and mm -hmm. he would always donate a picture. And when we had our, the art, artists had their art ball, he, uh, art balls, he'd always donate pictures to the auction. And the artist skilled, he would give some for their, see, he belonged to the artist guild. Mm -hmm. And he would, uh, he would uh, give some of his pictures for their, what they would call their flea market. They would put a price on them, and then if they were sold, if not, they took them back. And uh, so I still have oodles of pictures to go through. And, uh, but you see, I'm donating them to the Missouri Historical Society. I, I, they were coming to get some. I, I'm to go up and select what I want to keep. And then they were going to select what they want now. And then when I pass on, they can get the balance of what they want. And whatever's left is to be destroyed. So it doesn't get in the hands of a, a dealer or somebody that shouldn't have. Of course, I. A Glenn, Mr. Hillgarden and his family have already picked out what they wanted. Named Artist of the Year. He was Artist of the Year twice. Four times? Twice? Two different times. Okay. And he by won. By the Society of Independent Artists. Boy. By the Society of Independent Artists in St. Louis. Well, it, it, the Independent, you mean how did they decide? No, no, no. That's, that's who was, he was. He was named Artist of the Year by the Society of Independent yes. Artists. Yes. Well, I'll tell you how they did that. They would uh, have their different exhibits during the year, and the pictures were voted on by judges, and then whoever got the highest number of points would get Artist of the Year. And Victor won that twice, and then once he won Best in Show, once, which was very funny because he 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 would win, but it seemed like he never picked for best in show. But now with the North, he belonged to the North side, and up there, twice his watercolors were they, they picked their prizes in categories, mm -hmm. and twice he won the best watercolor, and he had his choice. He won in a black and white, but he could only take one prize. And then, of course, he took the watercolor because it was a larger amount of money. 
and he was lucky enough to sell both of them right out of the show. Oh my. And uh, in fact, one of them, another artist, his husband bought for his office a New York painting. And uh, did he like selling his work? No, he never. He never pushed selling his work. He he could have had a good market if he had put it with an art dealer. But he didn't, it seemed like he wanted them for accumulation for himself. In other words, he did his painting for his own pleasure, and that's what he wanted to keep it. And uh, after, while he was in the home, I took some pictures down there. He, some, he, we have some now that he hasn't signed, and down there for him to sign. And while I had them down there, I sold several right out of the group that that he was signing uh, to outsiders, not to the people in the home, visitors. And then when they found out I was selling his pictures, well then they went. Mr. Hillgardner's daughter brought some of the people from Edwards and Company down here. And uh, she told Edwards about, because they were buying art. And um, some of their employees came down, they bought several. And then the Missouri Historical Society bought 15. I've got pictures of that in, in, in our magazine. Uh, and he was a judge at some art shows? He, he judged judge. art shows in in St. Louis and mm -hmm. out of town. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and he, was a, he volunteered at the Veterans Hospital? Volunteered for 22 years. And made draw, had taught drawings and Talk, talk he taught. Yeah, he worked in in the manual arts, which was uh, years ago. You know, the veterans stayed longer than they do today. He teach them. They wanted art, and they would. He draw templates for different pieces of, of woodwork that they would want to make. Anything in that line. He he volunteered down there in twenty two years. He volunteered down there while he was working. In fact, he volunteered with two, two, uh, two different. Uh, he volunteered with the Red Cross, and he uh, volunteered with the Masonic uh, uh, Association. But he stayed with the Red Cross then because two was too much. He couldn't carry on that much. But he holds a position as senior past master and. Did he what? Senior past patron of the Eastern Star. He's past. Lodge. He's a past master in 1921, uh, mm -hmm. and a past patron in 1930 of the Eastern Star in 1939. Mm -hmm. That was with me. I was matron at that time. Um, would you say Victor was a, a people person? He liked to be with people. He liked to be oh, involved. Oh, he was in very them. sociable, humorous. Very friendly, and I never heard him speak a wrong word about anybody. He'd always find something good in somebody, no matter how bad they were. <laughs> he was a very, very friendly. You can tell that by people that knew him. I mean, have you got that turned off? No. When, when he, he was just, uh, uh, he was humorous, and he was friendly, and he always had a smile. He didn't talk much. He was very, when it come to talking, but in a crowd, he was the life of the party. Mm -hmm. But he was quiet at home? Yes. He was, 
he, uh, in fact, people came to see him when he was dead that I hadn't seen in years, and they always talked about him, you know, how friendly he was and good humored. And you know, he was a very young master in his life. 1931, and uh, he was, that was very, at that time, that was, you had to be, do something and be somebody and to get up there, you know, to go through the chairs, and uh, that was a large, large Masonic Lodge. Well, most of his uh, paintings, um, pleasant, he was. Were most of his paintings pleasant, happy, made people feel good? Yes, they were always cheerful. He did a few. He did one he called the Valley of Memories, that was a cemetery, and uh, uh, that was down at, at Sun and Lake. It was a family cemetery, and he did it more for um, that he would have something to remember of the place. And uh, it's the only one he did I, that I know of that wasn't cheerful. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he did lots of architecture, uh, downtown scenes. In fact, one I gave to uh, Dr. McCarthy was called the uh, Corner of the Clocks. And uh, that was, you know, where Murmured and Jacket had? Yes. Well, that corner, yes, he gave that to Dr. McCarthy, a large sketch. And he had another one, it was uh, outside uh, fire escapes. What did he call that? Edwards bought that. Edwards bought 12 of them, 12 large watercolors for their new, a new building. Uh, and where did he work in this house? When it was? Where, did he have a place, which, uh, his studio? Where upstairs. Mm -hmm. The whole upstairs over our living room. It was his room. It, uh, complete. Mm -hmm. He worked up there. If you could say anything else about him and his work, what, what would it be that we haven't touched on? Why? If there was something that you would like to say that we haven't touched on about his work. Well, I would say, really say he enjoyed every every minute of it in his life. He put his heart and soul into his drawings. And you, you could see they were spontaneous, they weren't hard, and he, he enjoyed doing the old, old Soulard area. In fact, there's one up there now that he won the National Scarab Medal on the, the alley down in Soulard, one of the alleys. He, he loved old things, you know, yeah. and he did, oh, I don't know how many in Crown Lab. Of course, they're gone. They were sold, and I, each one I sold hurt me, you know. But um, I couldn't keep them all, and I've got to get rid of the others. I'm going to select some that I intend to keep. When he, um, when he, you all had a Chevy in 1929, in 1930, and he took the Chevy and 
took his paintings all over and yeah, he sent and he sent he showed from California, let's say to Maine, from New Orleans. He didn't go out of the country, but he showed in different cities, Kansas City, and uh, I don't know, Little Rock, Arkansas, and of course all around St. Louis. I mean, uh, Artists Guild and our site Artists Association, independent artists. Of course, independent artists was his, I would say, his hobby and his main well, what does I say his main hobby? In fact, the one one of the girls, she said they always called Victor Mr. Independent Artist mm -hmm. because at one time they were going under and he pulled them out of it, got them going again. And he showed in every show that they had, I think, no matter where it was, he'd always had one painting. and. Uh, they were always wanting to see what he was going to show because his paintings were different. And I think that... Were different? Yes. Different than... Well, different subjects. You know, uh, a lot of the women did scenery and portraits and so did the men folks. But he seemed to pick out different subjects that were interesting. And I think sometimes that affected the judges. Now, the first time he showed at Quincy, Illinois, he was, he, he'd get notices of these artists. He won uh, the best black and white on a, uh, on a sketch of uh, sailboats uh, on some lake where we were. And then, then he was asked to come up there and judge their show twice. And then, they called him and asked him if he didn't want to come up and supervise a work, oil workshop. But we would have had gone up there for six weeks and Mr. Klitz didn't care about oils. And so he didn't accept it. But uh, he was funny that way. He was, let's say he was meek. He, he, was, he wasn't stuck on himself. He never felt that he was doing anything out of the ordinary or or uh, he never, his sense of ego was very small. And uh, he, um, but he wouldn't go up there and take that workshop. And he never failed to help any artist that wanted to know how he did it or if they wanted to watch him paint or anything. He was always willing to help somebody else. He said, someday I'll be gone and they can carry on. And a lot of the a lot of the artists today say, well, Victor, especially with black and whites, Emily Tate, one of our independent artists, she said she had given up on black and white until Vic took over with her and uh, showed her what to do, and she'd been winning with them. She's up in years now. Was he pleased when he won? The what? Was he pleased? Was he pleased when he won? Oh yes, and she, uh, and nobody begrudged his winning. And then after a while, when he was winning so much, he thought maybe he was winning too often. He wouldn't put in some of his best pictures. 
you know, so that he didn't win again because there were a lot of amateurs and he didn't want to take over all the time. But uh, he, uh, he had a show at the Monday Club, a uh, uh, one-man show, and that's the first time that anybody knew or his friends knew that he was painting the way he was. One man said, Victor, where have you been? Let's see, what did he, he, he owned a, some business firm and he bought four pictures for his office. He said, Mr. Kuntz, where have you been hiding all this stuff? He said, none of us knew you did that. See, he just. He would just paint and then keep yes, it upstairs. He would, he, he didn't talk about himself. I mean, he, in other words, he didn't brag. I mean, he could have, he could have, he could have pushed himself. He could have sold pictures by the dozens. He just, he could have been with several art organizations and you know, I mean, art stores and had a portfolio there. But he just wouldn't do it, and he wouldn't talk about his sketches with me. He never told me what he wanted to do with them. It, it was up to me to do, do the best I could. Did Only anybody? I'm sorry. Go ahead. The only thing he said, I shouldn't let anything ever go out if he passed away that I didn't think was good or was up to his work. He trusted you. Did anybody ever come to you, to him, and ask him to paint something for them? Oh yes, he had several times where they asked uh, to paint different things, but I don't remember what. Uh, one of them was Dr. McCarthy's home. Another one was Rollo, this famous builder, their home. Which, and, uh, which Dr. McCarthy? The older man, not the obstetrician. Well, Dr. John, I think it was John. John. I, I never did remember Dr. McCarthy's first name. Peter? Uh, I think it was John. He okay. had the stroke lately. He's, he's incapacitated now. He can't practice anymore. And it's his son. And anyway, uh, and Rollo Construction Company, oh, several people, he uh, painted their homes. And he did several homes for several wealthy people, but I don't remember all their names. I, uh, all right. Well, um, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, and uh, I can, just from listening to you talk about Victor, I, I can feel the respect that people had for, for him and his work, and uh, I appreciate your... And let's say as a character, he was 100%. <laughs> He's, and as a husband, the same thing. He was a wonderful man. I, have, I wouldn't know one thing I could say that he ever did that, that, you know, with me, that wasn't right. But I think we did everything together. We never made any large expenditures unless we did it together. And like the home, it was designed and built on a shoestring. There were many things, if we would build one 10 or 15 years later, maybe they would have been 
would have been different. But we were satisfied here at Wiss Home. And he never once talked about moving. And I didn't either. There was a number one neighborhood, and uh, the neighbors were nice. And uh, we were satisfied. And of course, he finished that upstairs. We did that together uh, when he retired, so that he would have some place to work, you know. Well, where did he work before that? Before he retired, he was still painting. Before? Where did he do his painting before the finish? In the house, uh, uh, in the kitchen, and the dining room, the living room, anywhere he wanted to. Uh -huh. Did he set up, did he have an easel? He, he didn't work very much from an easel. Uh -huh. He put his things on his lap. On his lap. Mm -hmm. Even his great big watercolors, he didn't work from an easel. Did he have a board that he uh, put yeah, on board. his lap? He had boards. He put on put the board on his lap yeah. and, and worked on that? And he worked from a... And so a, he worked sitting down? And he worked fast. Oh, he... Is that right? He worked sitting down? Yes, most of the time. Sometimes he'd stand up to, you know, to, to take look it over and uh -huh. put different touches. And he'd go back to his paintings. Sometimes he'd put different touches on them, you know, see that they could be better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he made them worse. Mm -hmm. And then if he did, he'd destroy them. And then did he try and recreate that one he destroyed? Did he what? Try and recreate the one he destroyed? If he didn't like it, did he try it again sometime? Oh, he did did, did things over. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a lot of unfinished things. And uh, he, uh, but he just liked to do it and he was self-taught artist. I mean, he didn't take- Never took a lesson. He what? Never took a lesson. No, never took a lesson just through his architectural delineation and, and the will to do it. But he does come from a very artistic family. Tell me about that. His mother could paint if she wanted to. We have one picture that he did. His, his, um, his sister was artistic to a certain extent. She didn't go in for it in any rate, but Alma was and uh, but he has a he has a, one cousin who is now this is going to the whole family tree was the first violinist with the Chicago uh, Symphony. Uh, he has a, an aunt who she would be a great aunt I guess who was behind the Iron Curtain and we don't know her name and we couldn't get it was supposedly a famous artist. And they all in the family, his cousin Vietta was quite a, Lodwick was quite a talented painter. It seemed like more or less quite a lot of them did things in the artistic line, but not painting. But um, his cousin Victor went to Europe and got the family tree. So happens Mr. Kunz has wild blood in his veins.